0: Welcome to the ACO Show. I'm Josh Israel, joined by my co-host Brian Chiglinski. And our guest today was Mike Stanzioni. Mike leads Alladate's efforts in Medicare Advantage. And let's talk about Medicare Advantage, Brian. It's a fraught topic right now.
1: Yeah, it's it's always great talking to Mike because I think he brings a really nuanced understanding to a really complex and rapidly growing field in Medicare Advantage. He's kind of our, our MA guru. And on the one hand, you know, as you point out, there are a lot of fraught topics within Medicare Advantage because I think in large part, it's taken off so quickly and it's grown so much. And now it's such a large portion of how people get health insurance coverage in the country. But as Mike points out, there are also so many opportunities in it. You know, MA plans really provide some additional what we call, you know, supplemental or additional benefits. But. You know, dental vision, those those aren't always supplemental. Those are those are essential. And if if you need transportation to get to care, that's an essential benefit, you know, if, if you need to have access to it. So I think Mike does a really good job of of giving us the landscape of why this is growing so much, what kind of is happening on the regulatory front. And I think the most important thing is just how the allied model of care applies to MA.
0: Yeah, MA has potential to do a lot of good. And as we heard, more minority patients are are working with it. And it has these supplemental benefits that you mentioned, but it also has these loopholes that provide opportunity for arbitrage for people to do well financially in the Medicare Advantage space without necessarily helping patients. So I was I was glad to hear Mike give some detail around Allidaid's point of view of trying to use the program as it exists to better improve health, to lead to better
1: preventive care. Yeah, I agree. I think he he did a really good job of capturing that. And now we're joined by Mike Stanzioni, Allidade's director of Medicare Advantage Network. Thanks for joining us, Mike.
2: Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be with you today.
1: Great. Yeah, we thought so maybe we thought we would just get started, jump right into some of the details of Medicare Advantage and how Allidade works with Medicare Advantage. Could you tell us a little bit? I know we're coming up on the annual open enrollment. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that and how Allidaid is thinking as we're coming into that season. Yeah,
2: so this is hyper growth mode for any Medicare Advantage organization out there.
1: We're in the midst
2: of of the the first stage of of open enrollment. Open enrollment will continue until the end of end of March, but but we've seen dramatic growth in the industry over the past few years. 2022 about 46% of of Medicare eligible beneficiaries were were choosing Medicare Advantage, and it's it's within reason that that, that will Eclipse fifty percent this year by the time the dust settles on this year's open enrollment come early April. So as the as the industry continues to grow, as as more and more folks choose Medicare Advantage, Alladay continues to grow in this space as well. We've we've doubled our our MA portfolio for the past couple of years. In in 2020, we had about fifty thousand Medicare Advantage lives. 2021, we got over hundred thousand. We're sitting at over 200,000 lives under management as, as we sit here today. And we expect that to, to eclipse a quarter million for 2023, potentially get get within earshot of 300,000. So we're excited for the growth. We keep seeing it in the industry and we keep preparing for it here at Alladay.
0: So Mike, Alladay has a model of care, better preventive care, more preventive care. What are we doing in Medicare Advantage to bring that same level of service to those patients? So-
2: so the way I like to think about this, Josh, is that we we have established our model of care. And as we grow in Medicare Advantage, we are applying that same clinical model to MA. We, we have a, a, an approach to value-based contracting and supporting independent primary care physicians that focuses on engaging patients in care and addressing their needs. And those needs will vary by patient population in the same way that they vary when, you know, between a diabetic and a, and a heart failure patient. And there are, there are nuances to Medicare Advantage, but the same principles of our core clinical model of engaging patients in high-quality, unbiased, independent primary care and addressing their needs... Is the is the same thing that we're applying to MA. And 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 we've seen that be extraordinarily successful for us in MSSP. And and we've seen that be extraordinary extraordinarily successful for us in Medicare Advantages. And and we'll continue to expand how we define needs. This year we we launched comprehensive advanced care planning across our entire entire senior care population for both fee for service Medicare patients as well as Medicare Advantage patients. And, and, and that's a an intervention that that we felt there was a big need for in the market. And and, and something that we we feel very strongly is is good for patients, good for providers, and, and good for society. And, and we'll continue to to layer in additional opportunities, but the core concept will always be engaging patients in high quality primary care and addressing their needs.
1: I'm wondering if you can maybe unpack a little for us. What's driving this growth in MA? Like what are patients seeing or beneficiaries who are, who are looking at MA plans and kind of how does Allidade help physicians kind of meet those reasons that a lot of their patients are now turning to MA plans for their coverage?
2: Sure. So so there's a lot of reasons that Medicare Advantage can be very attractive for, for beneficiaries. Number one is just like the insurance that, that I have there's there's maximum out of pocket costs. So with traditional Medicare that you know sort of back in the napkin covers 80% of the cost, the patient incurs the rest. And you can you can hedge that through um, Medicare supplemental coverage, but the cost of Medicare supplemental coverage is is high and and comparatively much higher than 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 Medicare Advantage. The MA plans also offer additional benefits that are that are not covered under a traditional Medicare. At least at this point, there's conversations being had about expanding the scope of fee-for-service Medicare coverage. But at this point, things like dental and vision and and hearing care are are not covered under, and they are by and large almost universally covered within Medicare Advantage. And and there's 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 additional benefits made available even beyond those big 3 what I what I sort of consider traditional supplemental benefits of of hearing dental and vision of things like transportation coverage and 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 food assistance for folks that may be be food insecure so i think there's a lot of there's a lot of additional things offered to beneficiaries that 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 can be very attractive now there's there's another side to that coin as as, as there, there there often is in life, and that you're 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 now subject to a network. Not everyone is going to participate in you know, a, a Medicare Advantage network. Certainly not everyone, every doctor that that takes fee-for-service Medicare. You're going to be, you know, subject to utilization management. By the plan, things like prior auth that that can incur additional administrative burden both on patients and providers. So there's upside d- and downsides of both, but but I think you know one of the big driving forces behind Medicare Advantage is both the the financial security of of having that that max maximum patient financial liability in a given year um, that's even been expanded more so. Just recently, with the with the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, and how that's capping <clears throat> patient out of pocket costs for things like insulin, and and I think that that can be very attractive, you know, to patients. In addition to the the additional benefits that are offered above and beyond fee for service Medicare.
0: Mike, when we had you last on the show, November twenty twenty one, there was a vote that was coming up shortly after that to provide supplemental benefits to patients in traditional Medicare. Those did not pass. Is that just bare-knuckle politics or is there any f- good financial reason for that?
2: So, so we have folks at, 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 Alliday that, that are, that have much more prowess than I in, in the political sphere. But I think, you know, if I were to opine, I think that, that Medicare advantage organizations have an extraordinary amount of power, power over patients and power over politicians. Um, I, I, as we just talked through, right, Medicare Advantage is popular by and large. and and there is likely political liability in, in, in doing things that, that that would attack that system. And there's also a very powerful, you know, lobby behind not messing with Medicare Advantage, so to speak and and, and not doing things that that would hurt the industry. You know, it's also not cheap, right? You know, if you're gonna expand benefits, it's gotta come from somewhere. And <clears throat> you know, as someone who manages a PL, I don't manage the federal government's PL, but I manage my own PL. You know, you you've, you've got to increase revenue or lower cost, right? You know, that's the that's the two ways about it. If you if you're gonna spend more money on a thing, you have to come up with that money from somewhere, be it debt, be it new taxes, or be it spending cuts elsewhere. And I think you know, especially in the current political climate, those types of trade-off decisions have become very difficult to to form consensus on.
1: So obviously, supplemental benefits are, are one conversation. Are there other regulatory changes to the MA landscape that you have seen on the horizon or that you're tracking right now?
2: Yeah, so the 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 big one, the the big most recent one is the Inflation Reduction Act, and and how that will impact not only Medicare Advantage but fee for service Medicare as well. One one of the key things to to remember is um, Medicare Advantage is Part C, right? In in the Medicare sphere, traditional Medicare is Parts A and B, which include hospital coverage and 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 outpatient care, like seeing your primary care physician. But even someone in fee for service Medicare. Needs to go out and purchase what's known as Part D, as in David, which is which is prescription coverage. So there were provisions in in the Inflation Reduction Act that that will both Part D standalone plans, which are sold to fee, Medicare fee for service beneficiaries, as well as Part C plans or Medicare Advantage plans that that include pharmacy coverage, specifically around capping. The out-of-pocket costs for there's a couple, you know, mechanisms, but or, or behaviors maybe I should say that that that's intended to try. One is people should have access to insulin, and financial barriers should not be a barrier to care for for folks who need insulin to be able to access insulin. And, and the hope there is 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 that that is going to foster more aggressive negotiation with the pharmaceutical manufacturers and the pharmaceutical distributors for better pricing and and it's not just limited to insulin it's 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 also limit you know it 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 also you know addresses overall maximum out of pocket for for pharmacy spend regardless of of drug it also addresses particular drugs where their costs are increasing at a faster rate than inflation and and there will be penalties levied on on pharmaceutical manufacturers that that pursue those, those kinds of, of cost increases, again, with the hope of, of of fostering more better negotiations on both sides of the table to bring down pharmacy costs, for all Medicare-eligible beneficiaries, not, not just Medicare Advantage. I think one of the other interesting things that I, I continue to, to keep my pulse on is something known as the inpatient-only list, and, th- and that's a list of procedures that, that CMS has has deemed need to be performed in an inpatient facility. And during the, the former administration, some of those r- rules started being relaxed, and, and, and there's an ongoing conversation about, should they be relaxed should they be tightened up and and so that's another thing that that allade keeps keeps our pulse on you know with the interest of 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 really you know allowing as much decision making between the patient and the provider and and doing procedures, you know, think of things like single knee replacements in in the best, highest quality, most clinically appropriate setting of care for that particular patient. So so that'll be another keen thing that that we always keep our eyes on. There's constant chatter about about Medicare Advantage in the legislative world, as well as in the administrative body world. You know, interestingly, when you see you know, a lot of things getting stalled in, in, in Congress or the Senate, you continue to see changes in the administrative world. Work continues to be done there. So, so things like the star rating system in, in Medicare Advantage is is absolutely subject to ongoing changes. And and, and we always keep a, a close pulse on that.
0: Michael, let's double click there on the star rating system. Um, succeeding in Medicare Advantage, our main strategy is going to be to try to keep our patients healthier but we also do need to succeed on the STARS system. Can you talk about what is that system?
2: Yeah, sure. So the, the CMS STARS system, as it pertains to Medicare Advantage, there's also a STARS system for skilled nursing facilities. So I always try and draw that, that distinction, but the one that applies to, to Medicare Advantage is the rubric by which CMS evaluates Medicare Advantage plans and specifically Medicare Advantage contracts on quality. And the STAR system is, is a collection of 40 or so quality measures, bucketed into traditional quality measures, things like breast cancer screening and, and colorectal cancer screening, hemoglobin A1C control for, for diabetics, as well as what we call Part D measures or pharmacy-related measures, things like medication adherence, ensuring that, that folks with chronic conditions are, are taking their medications. You know, and and we agree with that, that 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 folks with diabetes taking their medications regularly and not missing refills is is a good thing and then lastly a growing body of the the overall star ratings is patient experience through caps and and health outcome surveys where where cms is 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 requiring the the plans to go out and collect feedback on on how patients feel about their plans and 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 collecting feedback on on outcomes that that cannot always be measured through through claims data, things like flu shots. A lot of folks get flu shots from a, a Walgreens or a Costco, where it may or may not go through their, their prescription benefit. Um, so CMS asks the patients, right? They or they direct the plans to ask the patients to evaluate, you know, both outcomes and and general satisfaction with both the plan and the network of providers that the beneficiaries are seeing.
0: I have a question about STARS scores that will not be of interest to the general public, but for those people to whom it applies, uh, they really want to know the answer to it. It comes up a lot, as, as you know, Mike, which is if you're a physician and you get into a contract with a Medicare Advantage plan, they may say we are scoring you based on these 12 measures, these 14 measures. But then there are also other star measures that we also would like them to do well on, even though it's not in their contract. Can you explain the difference between those two things?
2: Yeah, sure. So, so again, top of the universe is 40 or so things that CMS evaluates the plans on. And then you start, you know, going down the funnel, if you will, at at, at that top layer of the funnel, you're going to have things like asking patients about denials and the rate at which denials were overturned and, and, and collecting information. On whether or not patients felt like they had adequate access to the pharmaceuticals they need, right? Which is which is really a question about their formulary. So there's a lot of things in the star rating system that that providers and specifically primary care providers don't control. So in value-based contracts, you start to you start to peel that onion or go go down that funnel. So the second layer. Would be things that that at least the plans believe that independent primary care physicians can influence. Right. And that may be a list of, you know, using your numbers, 10 or 15 measures that the the plan is is evaluating a provider level or ACO level star rating on. It. But it's not that list of 40 measures that CMS is giving to the plans. It's a it's a smaller subset of of measures that that the plan is essentially giving a network of providers you know for example a, a network of ACO providers a star rating on and and that again is is a is a subset of star measures that the the plans believe which we don't always agree with but but we try and develop consensus on that that independent primary care physicians can can influence and then you have a an even smaller subset of of measures that, that the plans want to directly incentivize performance improvement on. And, and that can be just a handful depending on the, the, the way the contract is set up, where those are, those tend to be measures that the plan struggle with historically, and they have a willingness to pay to drive continuous improvement. And from a value-based, you know, perspective, one of the, one of the ways, you know that that any negotiation gets to an optimal state is that is that each party of that negotiation gets something that they want and and because of all the financial and growth related and 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 legislative implications of MA plan star ratings plans want good star ratings and so, so there are sort of these layers within value-based care of, again, now we're working bottom up from that funnel of, yes, you know, here, here are things that are specifically incentivized either through quality bonuses or, or, or other contractual frameworks, but the more influence or the, the more positive impact that you can you can have on more measures increases the the value that you can deliver to the plan and 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 therefore increases your leverage to get better terms on other parts of the contract you know we 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 know that there are a lot of administrative burdens on primary care practices and And if we're able to do something for the plans, they may be willing to do something in return, either through more compensation, through higher shared savings rates, through better targets, or hopefully working towards reducing the administrative burden on primary care providers so that they can focus their time and effort on improving care.
0: So do I have this right? Medicare, the federal government, has a long list of measures on which it evaluates the Medicare Advantage plans, the STARS measures, and those that the Medicare Advantage plans feel the primary care providers can influence, those subsets make it into the contract with the ACO or the physicians. That is correct.
1: So Mike, I generally am a pretty modest guy and I like to think I know it all, but I was blown away at Allade's all-staff retreat by a slide that really upended the way that I think about MA. And I think it upends a narrative that's out there about Uh, MA and who your usual MA beneficiaries are. So specifically, the slide came up, I'm looking at it right now showed that the percentage of Medicare beneficiaries in MA by race or ethnicity as of 2018, roughly a third of Medicare beneficiaries, of white Medicare beneficiaries were in MA. But for the Black and Hispanic population, it was around 50% for Hispanic. It was 53% of Hispanic Medicare beneficiaries are in MA. And the title of the slide really said it all. If If you want to promote equity you have to be an MA and you have to support MA enrollees. And I think that that description of who the MA population is really upended the way that I, I think about the program. And I think the opportunities that there are to really make progress in equity through the program. So I was wondering if you could maybe talk a little bit about that and, and tread lightly about the fact that I was just completely wrong and how I think about MA. Yeah, <laughs> i really curious about that.
2: Yeah, I think it I think it all comes back to how we started this conversation. Allodate has a singular clinical model focused on engaging patients in care and addressing their needs. One of those needs is reducing disparities within the healthcare system. It is something that, that we are extraordinarily passionate about that. We make a, an incredible amount of investments and, in. and, and you're right. And that the, the demographic mix in. In, in Medicare Advantage is is skewing towards traditionally underserved populations within the health system and and I think that that is a tremendous opportunity for Alidaid to do what we're already good at and that's, again, to focus on on reducing disparities within within the entire population that we manage. And 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 I think about, you know, I mentioned comprehensive advanced care planning, some of our other key strategies and key needs that we've been being very intentional about about focusing on and highlighting and surfacing for, for our great independent primary care partner is blood pressure control and uncontrolled hypertension and and specifically uncontrolled hypertension within populations that have been traditionally underserved we have we have significant medicare advantage contractual penetration in areas of the country that that historically have higher share Of what we call decent patients in Medicare Advantage, or patients that that qualify for both Medicare and and Medicaid, and and I feel strongly that 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 is purpose built to to solve that and to and to improve health equity in this country and reduce disparities. So so again, I don't I don't think it's I don't think it changes approach. I don't think it's a pivot. I don't think it's a new thing. I think it is just our core clinical model and taking that and applying it to, to, to Medicare Advantage in a way that's good for patients, good for providers and good for society.
0: Sounds good to me. Mike Stanzioni, Alidaid's Director of Medicare Advantage Networks. Thanks for coming back to the show.
1: Nice having you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure, gentlemen. This episode was produced by Leanne Horst, Alana Kukin and Stuart Taylor. You can find more episodes of the ACO show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and join us next time.